So is everybody excited? All right. Actually, this the worship and what the Lord was doing today um, really, really hit with what the Lord gave me to talk about, um, about our hearts and calling them back to life. So today I actually wanted to talk on the topic. Uh, it's entitled Never Alone. Never Alone. So that's, that doesn't mean like he will never leave us nor forsake us, but the topic is more never alone, meaning don't isolate yourself. And so God is passionate about intimacy. He's committed to connection. He's so committed to connection that he sent himself, he sent his one and only son to restore connection. So could you say that God is pretty passionate about intimacy and he's passionate about connection with us? So we were created in the image of God, which means we were created for connection. We were created for connection with God, and we were, we were created for connection with man or others, mankind. So we have to remember that. We were just not created for connection with God. We were actually created for connection with mankind. So in a fundamental way, when we long for connection with one another, we're reflecting his image. Remember, we were made in the image of God. And he desires connection. So when we long for connection with one another and with him, we're actually reflecting his image. Isn't that awesome? Genesis 1, 31 like I said, it's not up there today. God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good and he validated it completely. I love, that's out of the Amplified. I love that ending there. And he validated it completely. He said it was good, right? So in chapter two, Genesis chapter two, 18. So he probably just flipped the page, right? Or, or scroll, you know, yeah. Genesis 2.18, now the Lord said, it is not good. It's not good, beneficial for man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpoint who is suitable and complementary for him. So God created, you know, the garden, or no, well, he created the heavens and the earth, and he, he, he created everything, and what did he say? It was good. He created Adam, and he said it wasn't good. But then he tagged on for man to be alone. So God is actually expressing dissatisfaction. Right? Because before he said it was good, and he validated, validated it, and then he said it wasn't good, but he would make a helper. So what is he actually saying? He's saying... It's un, he's unfinished. Does this make sense? So you can solely look at this verse as a reference for marriage, a longing for male-female relationship, which is completely true, right? God created a woman for the man, right? But I believe that this verse speaks to something so much deeper, and not just deeper, but in a broader sense, 
I believe that this verse reveals a core need within mankind. The need for connection. The need for relationship. The need for validation and acceptance and partnership. And guess what? All these things are available in a healthy, committed, covenantal, Christ-centered relationship. Yes, marriage, but also a Christ-centered community. What did God say? It is not good for man to be alone. So Adam had had complete, unhindered access with the Lord. He had purpose and responsibility that filled his life, and yet God considered Adam to be unfinished and alone. So Adam was unfinished without relational connection and partnership. Whoa. Whoa. How many of you have ever been hurt before and you want to isolate yourself? What does God say? It is not good for you to be alone. So a lot of times we separate ourselves from relationship by getting busy. Right? We're having some misunderstandings in relationship. So what do we do? We don't confront it. We just get busy. Right? And so Adam had a full plate of responsibility, right? He needed to tend the garden. He needed to take care of the animals. Guess what? He could have been doing something all day long, and yet God says it is not good for him to be alone, even though he had so much work to do. And this is where it gets challenging, or this is tougher. Adam had unlimited access to the presence of God, and yet God said it is not good for him to be alone. If that doesn't challenge your thinking, I don't know what will. So this, this, we get hurt or we pull back and we isolate and we'll just say it's me and Jesus. But God said it is not good for you to be alone. Hey, I'm guilty of this. I retreat, right? I pull back. All of us do. So I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying that from the very beginning, Adam could have been doing all this. He could have been fulfilling his destiny from the moment he got up to the moment he went to bed on some fern somewhere. I don't know. (laughs) And it still, he would have been alone and incomplete, unfinished. And he had complete access to the presence of God all the time, whenever he needed it. And God said, It is not good for you to be alone. This this is good, guys. So if God says it's not good, then what does the enemy want to get you to do? To pull away and isolate yourself. So this has nothing to do with God's ability. The truth is God has all sufficiency to meet every single one of our needs. 
This is not dealing with God is, God is unable to meet every need. He just made us in a way to need each other. He made us to need connection with one another. He made us to need partnership with one another. He made us to need intimacy with one another. He made us to have or desire an exchange of life between one another. Well, I've been hurt by the church, you know, so I'm just going to go do my own thing, just me and Jesus. No, it is not good. It is not good at all. Ephesians 4.16 He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So when we come to Christ, we're a part of the body of Christ, meaning that we could get every need met by God, but he made it so that we would need each other as a body doing our own special part and we receive life and health from each other. So it's not only our connection with God that matures us and makes us healthy and full love, it's our interaction and connection with his people, his body. And let me say this, imperfect people. Why? Wouldn't it be just nice to, just to be with the Father and he just meets every one of our needs and he's perfect and he never does anything wrong, but he says, no, you need to be connected to the body where you could be hurt. But that's how I set it up for you to need each other. Um, I don't remember the quote. I, I preached it a while ago. It was from Banning, but he's talked about, my best isn't good enough. I need my best, and I need your best, and I need your best, and I need your best to, to make it through this thing. But I don't know if it's our society or if it's, you know, uh, just how we were raised, but I got issues. I can fix it myself. How's that working for you? Is that a John Wayne thing? Well, yeah. The Duke, right? Now, I'm not talking about codependency. I'm just saying that we were designed to partner and connect with one another. So you could be up in the morning, spending time with the Lord all the time, interacting with the Lord, and miss out on the body and still not have the fullness. So when we say we want all of you, God, you know what we're saying? We want all of you (laughs) because it's his body, right? So we were created to have connection with God and man, partnership with God and man. And when I say man, I'm talking about mankind. So you ladies are involved in there. Intimacy with God and man. And there's nothing that the enemy would like to do more than to separate, isolate, and disconnect you from the body of Christ. I never experienced it, but having a dislocated shoulder sounds pretty painful. So when we disconnect from the body, 
it hurts us. You know, tech, technology creates a false sense of community and connection. You know, I have friends on Facebook that I don't even know who they are. And most of them are people that know my mom. And they're like, hey, that's your son. Let's be friends. And I'm like, okay, I'll be your friend. And they all speak Spanish. So I can't, I don't know what they're saying. So technology can give us a false sense of community. Look, I have 300 friends, man. Or I have 4,000, you know. And you know what? I love technology. I love to go on and pull sermons off of things. And I love seeing quotes on Facebook that, you know, empower me and all that stuff. But information and revelation does not take the place of community. It's awesome. I love it. I get so much out of podcasts and sermons and YouTube videos, you know, that of, of you're actually going to be watching one today, right? But information and revelation does not take place of community because they don't know you and you don't know them. And being known in community is important. So if you are not known and there's not a demand on your life to be known, you are not in community. You're actually disconnected. What do I mean by being known? Now, I gave two thoughts on it. There's probably more, but uh, I just thought these were two baby steps or simple steps. Being known requires vulnerability. Your connection is not based upon your attendance. I'm going to say that again. We love that you're here. But your connection to community is not based on how many times you're here. Because you can be here and be closed off. Right? So we love, we want you here all the time. That's great. But you can be here and not be connected in heart and not be known. Remember in worship we were talking about that, that I would have lost heart meaning to be numb and without uh, sensitivity. This, ver this sermon is about like, uh, what do you call that? Putting the pads on your chest and like... Uh, Resuscitation. So there, there's times where your heart has grown cold and it's built up walls. And I believe that this sermon is coming in and just saying, hello. It's time to come alive. And the only way to be truly vulnerable is to function from love. The greater the love, the greater the vulnerability. Being known requires accountability. And a lot of times we think of accountability as uh, you got caught looking at something, so we need to have a meeting, and uh, we need to... 
right? You did something wrong, so we need to have that accountability. But accountability is so much more than that. <laughs> it's like looking at the worst of people. But accountability is, do you have a place of partnership? Meaning, is there an account given for your ability? Is there an account given to your ability? That's what accountability is. Are you giving your all for the gifts and the abilities that you have? And that's what community is. Accountability. Are your gifts used for the benefit of all? Are you living up to the greatness that's inside of you? Has someone ever called you out? Called you out? Well, in community, that's an awesome thing. Because I can look and say, Danny, you're not living up to what's inside of you. And it's time to be called out. And guess what? Like I said, technology can give us a false sense of community. We can watch the videos. We can see the things that they're putting out. But no one is calling you out. In a good way, accountability, right? So accountability is, is there an account given for your ability? Are you living to the fullness of what's inside of you? And community is about being known. Beware of spiritualizing your self-imposed isolation. I'm going to say that one again. Beware of spiritualizing your self-imposed isolation. As human beings, we have a tendency to isolate ourselves. When we're afraid, when we're in pain, and when we are misunderstood, what do we want to do? Pull back. You want to pull back. But what did God say? It is not good for man to be alone. And so sometimes we can spiritualize things. Well, it's just, you know, just having that more intimate time and just pulling away from everybody else. And hey, listen, there are times, you know. Good stuff. The enemy doesn't have many tricks, but one of the lies that he tricks us into believing is that we are better off alone. Danny does something that I'm just not quite sure about. There's a little misunderstanding. So what does the enemy say? You know, just pull back. You don't need understanding. Actually, Coming and getting understanding is a sign of Christ-like maturity. Actually, Janine and I had an issue this week. We had a work through, right? She's just nothing. <laughs> I'm not embarrassing you, am I? No, okay, good. So I came in and I was joking like I always do, you know, and then I went out and then like I was working on my sermon and then there was a knock on the door 
and she was there and she said, what did you mean when you said? And we worked through it, right? We worked through it, I think. Do you feel good? I feel great. You feel great. You know, it's all great. But what did the enemy want to do? Hold her back, not communicate. Then the thing gets bigger than it ever was, right? And actually, when she came, I was like, oh, that's not what I meant when I said that. Oh, okay. That's just, oh, okay. What, oh, yeah, you know. Right? It was a sign of maturity that actually it's a sign of love because I will be vulnerable. I will lay my emotions or my feelings out for you to potentially smash them. You know, sometimes you just don't get it right. It's fixed. And now we're closer than we've ever been. <laughs> I wonder if I'll get a knock on the door on Monday. Hey, when you uh, brought that up in the sermon, um, you know, well, you know. The one, one of the lies that the enemy tricks us into believing is that we are better off alone. What does that mean? I can fix this on my own. I got this. Hey, and there's some times where you grow and you mature and you can deal with things, but you always need to be open for healthy confrontation. Healthy confrontation is two people that love each other, that are humble, and can receive from one another. That doesn't mean that you'll agree on it, but there'll be that mutual respect. All right. The truth is isolation will only prolong and and exacerbate the issue, meaning it will only worsen it. I had an example for this, but because of time. Can you believe it? I make a six-page sermon, and now I'm running out of time. Can you believe it? I know the worship leader is like, how many times do you got to sing that phrase? Like, seriously. We only need 30 minutes. All right. I'll say this. Isolation is fertile soil for cycles of addiction. Isolation is fertile soil for cycles of addiction. So I had an example. It was actually a, a, lab, a lab testing of rats, you know. In their, but I just, I just don't have time for that. Now you're really interested. You're really, really, all right, I'll do it quickly. Well, that's, that's giving me license to go longer. All right, all right, I'll just do it quickly. So basically, there was this experiment. They took a single rat and placed it in a cage with an option of two waters to drink from. The first one was water, and the second one was water with heroin. 
So the result was the isolated rat became addicted and drank itself to overdose and die, and it died. And they would just put a single rat in there, and it would always go for the drug-laced water. And so what they did was, same scenario, but they had a community of rats. They called it Rat Park. <laughs> and this is where they had activities. They had these color balls in there, and they had tunnels for them to like run through, and they had opportunity for them to reproduce. So you got what happened, right? They had sex, you know? And guess what? It was a happy environment. So you want to hear the result? Yeah, they, the same scenario. Um, basically, the result was rats hardly ever used the drug water. None of them ever used it compulsively, meaning they had to keep on going back. And none of them ever overdosed. But the rat that was in isolation was bound by addiction. So human beings have an innate need to bond and connect. When we're happy and healthy, we bond with the people around us. When we can't because we're traumatized or isolated, beaten down by life, we will bond with something that gives us some sense of relief. It might be endless checking your smartphone. It might be pornography. It might be video games. It might be shopping or gambling or even drugs. Isolation is where the enemy wants you to be so that he can keep you in cycles of defeat, failure, and frustration. His goal is to separate and disconnect. And let me say this, that isolation is not just physically removing yourself. Isolation is closing off your heart, meaning, ooh, when you said that, that hurt. Guess what? You ain't seeing none of this anymore. <laughs> Got to watch out for you. Send so to say, hey, when you said that, that kind of hurt. Oh, well, I didn't mean it. Oh, you did mean it that way. Okay, well, let's talk about that, right? I was insensitive. It also means shutting down emotionally. It means cutting communication lanes. Ever heard of the silent treatment? That's called isolation. You're in a room of people, full of people, but you cut it off. Okay, we'll move on from that one. Okay. God makes it clear from the very beginning that it's not good for man to be alone. I love this question that God asked Elijah when he was hiding in the cave. What does the cave represent? A place of isolation. So, Elijah he calls down the fire from heaven. He gets afraid. He runs. He makes it to a cave, and God shows up. There's, like, uh, the wind and all this noise, right? And then he comes out, and this is what God says, this profound statement. What are you doing here, Elijah? You would think with thunder and wind and lightning, it would be something profound, but actually it was very profound. Because God wasn't looking for an answer. He knew the answer. He wanted Elijah to know the answer. So what is he saying? What brought you to this place? 
Elijah's answer was, he basically says, I'm passionate for you, God. I'm zealous for you. What he's really kind of saying is, I'm the only real one that's passionate for you. Because he goes on to say, you know, they rejected you. They tore down your altars. They did this and they're after to kill me. So what is he saying? I'm the only one left. So we see that the cave was an outward manifestation of his internal reality. He allowed his internal reality to lead him to a very real place of isolation. Are you guys getting this? He was isolated inside, so he actually, in the natural, went to a place where there was isolation. Isn't that interesting? So if we don't deal with us wanting to hide inside, we will hide on the outside. So he says, what are you doing here? The question tells us two things. Elijah went there on his own. He said, what are you doing here? And it also tells us that God didn't send him to that place of isolation. What are you doing here? Could it be that we're waiting on God to release us from a place of isolation that we put ourselves there? That we put ourselves in? God, I need out of here. And he says, what are you doing here? That's a good question to ask yourself. And have I been waiting for God to bring breakthrough when all I need to do is walk out of the cave? But why was he in the cave? Because he believed a lie. I'm the only faithful one left. And actually, we see later on that God says, no, there's actually 7,000 that I've set aside. What is he saying? You're not alone. You believe that you're alone, but you're not alone. Bill Johnson said this, any area in our life where we have no hope is under the influence of a lie. We learned that in the men's breakfast, right? I'll say it again. Any area in our life where we have no hope is under the influence of a lie. So God responded. What did he say? Go anoint two kings, one in Syria and one in Israel. And then go anoint a prophet to take your place. That's what he said. Now we know that that transition was a while that Elisha didn't take over. I don't know how I tried to find it. It was like from four to like 10 years, somewhere in there. So it wasn't just like, hey, go, you need to be replaced. It wasn't like that. It was like, go and be with someone else and train them up. Notice how isolation disconnects you from purpose. Isolation means to be or to remain alone apart from others. And think about this. Isolation is used as a punishment in prison. As if prison wasn't enough, they put you in isolation. That's kind of funny. In prison, 
They punish you with isolation. What did God say? It's not good for you to be alone. So how does God reconnect Elijah back to his purpose? He reconnects him back with people. How did God reconnect Elijah back to his purpose? He sends him back to people. And he actually sends him back to a person that will serve him and that he can mentor and pour his life into and be in a sense of community with. This is powerful stuff, guys. So you cannot fulfill your kingdom destiny apart from people. Chris Valentin said, sometimes you can't find your destiny until you find your people. The truth is that the truth is your destiny is with your people. Like Ruth, your destiny is often in the people you are with. Our destiny and the people that we are called to are intertwined. Now, I know sometimes through life, uh, relationships change, but those that you are called to are intertwined with your destiny. There's no like lone rangers in destiny. And when you think about it, there is really no kingdom destiny without people at all. Right? Have you heard of the, 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 the evangelist that wasn't about people? The prophet or the apostle that wasn't about people? Even though some of the prophets, he was rejected, was that Jeremiah? It was about people, connecting with people. I want everybody to say with me, it's not good, it's not good. For, me for me to be, to be alone. alone. One more time. It's not good, it's not good. For, me for me to be, to be alone. alone. Why don't everybody just bow your heads? So I want to take a moment. I want to take a moment for repentance. So, Lord, right now, I ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas where you disconnected and isolated yourself. Some of you, as I was talking, you knew exactly what I was talking about. And the Holy Spirit was already doing his work. But for some of you, it might, be, it might need to be an area of revelation. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you reveal an area where they disconnected or isolated themselves. And it could be emotionally. And I want you to ask the Lord to forgive you for believing a lie about yourself, about your circumstances, or even about him. So just take that time. Lord, forgive me for I, where I believed a lie that I needed to pull away and separate myself to protect myself, God. 
Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you're my defense. Now I want you to ask him to reveal a truth about that area of your life. It could be you're beautifully, wonderfully made. It could be uh, I've called you to be a voice of justice, whatever it is. Ask him to reveal a truth to you that you can use as a weapon against the enemy. you don't get it now, that's fine. Just You can spend some time with the Lord this week and get it. So everybody have something? If not, that's fine. He'll, he'll give it. So Lord, right now, we thank you that you so freely forgive us. You bring us into right standing. And Lord, I just thank you that you have released a truth that I can use now as a weapon against the enemy. So whenever those feelings come where I want to isolate myself, I will speak that truth. I will use that sword because your word is quick and powerful. And so, Lord, I just thank you for it. And I give you praise and honor in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just decree that we will be a people that will come out of hiding and into freedom. We will be a people that come out of seclusion and into a place of expression. Lord, I just release it and declare it and decree it in Jesus' name. Amen.